Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. And this week, we actually have some exciting, something exciting to talk about, as Jalen Hurts will be making his first career start, and it's not in place of an injured Carson Wentz. It's in place of a Carson Wentz that has been benched because of poor play here in the 2020 season. I'm your host, LG Harrell, and joining me, as always, is Connor. Connor, what's up, what's up bud? Oh, not much, you know, just getting ready for Christmas and, and suffering through some some a tough week again in the media as an Eagles fan, let me tell you. Uh yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of talk after Doug after Doug Peterson made the announcement on Tuesday that Jalen Hurts would be the starter for the Philadelphia Eagles against the New Orleans Saints. And obviously he wouldn't commit to it long term, but it it and it, it'll it will depend, excuse me, on on the way Jalen Hurts plays this Sunday against the Saints. If Jalen Hurts does well, they don't have to win, but if Jalen Hurts plays well um, and, you know, looks like a functional quarterback, he, he's going to start the rest of the year. But if we st- start seeing the same issues that Carson Wentz had, you know, he gets sacked all the time. He um, He's missing throws. He's turning the ball over. Then the question becomes, was it really Carson Wentz? Or is it just the coaching that he's getting, it's the players around him? I'm a firm believer that, look, yes, Carson has had a very, 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 very bad year. But he hasn't gotten much help from the play calling. You know, like there are games that we know that Carson Wentz is better when you roll him out. And they've done it once. And that was in the third quarter when you're already down multiple scores. Like it makes the, the game, the game planning makes zero sense. Um you see players dropping the ball. You see the offensive line just breaking down at every every spot, whether it's a bad snap from Kelsey or Jason Peters just looking it, it, looking really bad. And we'll we'll talk about you know him being done for the year in a little bit, um, or you know um, Isaac Sayamalu being a turnstile left guard. Like if if we start seeing all this happen to Jalen Hurts, you know then it's a totally different you know thing that totally different story something totally different that we're going to be talking about next week but it is kind of refreshing I guess just to see what we could was Jalen worth Jalen Hurts worth this number two overall pick you know by the Philadelphia Eagles and by overall by number two overall I mean second round pick uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really intrigued to see what happens because, I mean, when you look on the surface of, of what, what's been happening with the Eagles, like, this is a very polarizing topic, this Hurts to Wentz situation, and even the players are not, don't seem to be 100% on board, mm-hmm. obviously, they're going to support whoever their quarterback is, um, and that's not to say that, like, Fletcher Cox hates Jalen Hurts or anything, it's just... Fletcher Cox probably thinks that there's more to blame than the quarterback, and any, he said... Any- and he mentioned, sorry, that, he, that, that Carson Wentz is his best friend on the team. Like, you're not going to just sit there just because, the, <clears throat> you know, WIP put out the, the, the question or like this if Carson should be the starter, retweet this if Jalen Hurts should be the starter, and, and Fletcher Cox liked it. And, and he even he admitted up to it. He's like, yeah, he's my best friend on the team. You don't ever want to see somebody get benched when it's not totally his fault. 
Yeah, and I mean that that's what it is at this point because like even Jason Kelsey spoke out this week and he was he's well respected in the locker room and you know that you know that the front office respects him the coaching staff respects him and when he speaks people listen and he was even saying he constantly mentioned the wide receivers aren't producing the offensive line isn't producing the backs aren't producing the coaching staff is not helping he always finished off by making sure to mention the coaching staff which no mm-hmm. very few people actually ever went out and mentioned the coaching staff and all the time that Carson Wentz was catching flack and taking blame and sitting through the pressers where he was getting bamboozled by the the national and Philadelphia Philadelphia media he never mentioned rarely mentioned the coaching staff rarely mentioned the play calling but Kelsey went out of his way to actually call that out and Mm -hmm. to make sure he stated two or three times it's everyone plus the coaches because Uh usually when you say everyone you're talking about the players you're just focusing in on the players but he made sure to always mention the coaching staff which really speaks volumes I think to something that a lot of people are ignoring that there's a bigger issue within the coaching staff that they like, we've kind of heard the too many voices, the too many, like the, the play calling and press Taylor might be calling plays. Doug Peterson might be calling plays. We don't know who's calling plays when plays are being called. But at the end of the day, I think there's a bigger thing within there. And even Doug Peterson said he'd be okay to get fired. Like there's something going on. There's some dis- weird disconnect in the head office and amongst the coaching staff that mm-hmm. I think is being less talked about. And it's all being pushed on to Wentz within like Philly media. And and like I know they're, they're showing flack to Howie Roseman and he's kept, rightfully so catching a lot of flack as well. But it always lands back on Wentz. Wentz, the contract, the contract. On the surface, we praised the Carson Wentz contract. I still think it's an amazing contract for a quarterback, no matter what happens. Because if we keep him, he's still low paid compared to what a bunch of people are going to get paid he's not a playing bunch like of a 35 quarter- million dollar quarterback no no but like i mean again we're going to talk about like the weapons we're going to talk about the offensive line we're going to talk about the things they gave a guy a franchise quarterback contract and gave him zero franchise pieces around him maybe miles sanders we can argue miles sanders is there but he's even having an off year he's mm-hmm. having ball security issues and he's having trouble seeing the field in general but mm-hmm. there's so much to dive into when you talk about this topic and when you read articles about it there's so many moving parts so many moving pieces this is a this is definitely a two three four year project of work that has to be undertaken by the eagles from the quarterback position to the weapons to the coaching staff to the front office and what to do about the Howie Roseman situation. So the one thing I do, so I as as, as bad as I feel like Doug has been this year, I do feel bad for him on one thing. Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, which I'm not, I, I'm not saying the owner should talk all the time or the GM, but like they have helped him zero. Like with like Howie has has done a terrible job putting this team together. Um, how he has not said anything, which, I mean, do we want to hear the GM and the, and the owner talk a lot? Like I mentioned, no. But so Doug has taken the brunt of every question of, of at every level of this team. And I don't I don't think that's fair to him. So, I mean, I do feel bad for Doug when it when it comes to that. But, yeah, I mean, like we have the, there's such dysfunctionality when it comes comes to this team that we didn't expect it coming like. At the beginning of the year, we talked about how the rest of the NFC has new coaching staffs, and you know 
that the Eagles, the continuity that the Eagles were going to have is going to be a big plus, and it hasn't been. You know, the two teams that are getting better are Washington and New York, and the Eagles just aren't getting better. You know, and who would have thought at the beginning of the year that the Red, that the Washington Giants and Cowboys starting quarterbacks would get hurt? They would have backups, and the Eagles, you know, Carson Wentz doesn't get hurt, and he is benched for for a backup because of poor play. Like we could have never thought everybody threw that injury prone label around for Carson. And then this is the second year, second regular season in a row that he has been getting battered. He's been getting hit. He's like going pace to shatter records for being sacked and for quarterback hits. And he gets up after every play. He stands in that huddle, calls the play, gets behind that crappy offensive line and does it play after play after play. And like last week was the first time we saw a motion. I think it was after the first drive. You know, he came off, and I guess it was um, Press Taylor. Like, he was yelling at him, and and I liked it. I liked seeing that emotion because he needs help. Like, you haven't – Howie Roseman, you gave him the money. You you, you gave him the money to be the franchise quarterback. But, like you mentioned, they put – okay, Miles Sanders was a draft pick. He's underperformed this year. Zach Ertz, been hurt a lot. You know, Dallas Goddard was hurt. Deshaun hurt. Alshon hurt. Um, Rager – inconsistent and then you go and you see you know what Justin Jefferson is doing as much as I wasn't a big Justin Jefferson fan he has outperformed all expectations you know and and you even saw when the Minnesota Vikings I think put out that video after the Eagles selected Rager they wasted little time in putting Justin Jefferson's name in you know they were shocked and they were ecstatic that the Eagles passed on somebody that has a chance to be a legit number one receiver in the NFL now, I mean, after seeing, obviously, hindsight being 2020, you see what he's doing. Um, honestly, I, though, I do believe that if you were to flip Rager and, and Jefferson, Jefferson might look like Rager. Rager could, now might not put up the same numbers, but Rager could possibly look like Jefferson just because I think those offensive mentality, the offensive philosophy for both teams, you know, Minnesota knows what the heck they're doing. They run the football with Dalvin Cook. And that sets up that passing game, even with a crappy quarterback like, like Kirk Cousins. The Eagles have no idea what they're doing. They have zero philosophy. They don't know what they are as a team. It feels like they throw a bunch of plays up against the wall, sees what sticks, and goes with them. And it doesn't work in the NFL. No, absolutely not. And you know what? The thing about the Justin Jefferson thing, and it's the same thing that I stand by with the J.J. Ortega-Whiteside thing with, well, we could have had DK. I'm not full-on convinced that we translate these players into what they've translated into within their offenses. DK Metcalf is in that offense with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson knows how to throw a long ball and he's consistent with it and he does well with it. And same with Justin Jefferson. As bad as it is, they open up that offense and it creates wonders for Adam Thielen and Kirk uh, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. I'm not actually convinced if we take this these picks that that and make the picks correctly in hindsight 2020 correctly that they were going to, that they would be any better on this team or that they would be any better within this offense. Because I just think there's something broken since Frank Reich left. There's just something broken within this offense that, that we have not yet seemed to figure it out or that the team just 
is blindly choosing not to address. But this, it's going to be really interesting this week because we know one thing. They tried to force Carson Wentz to be a pocket quarterback. And if there's one thing, Carson Wentz is not a pocket quarterback. Jalen Hurts is even less a pocket quarterback. So I'm very interested to see what happens with how they call this game plan and if they're going to move Jalen Hurts out of the pocket. And if they build that game plan around Jalen Hurts, it just goes to show you that it feels like there's a complete disconnect between Peterson and what he thinks Carson Wentz is as his franchise quarterback. If he's willing and able to move Hurts out, and he's willing and able to build an offense around Nick Foles, but not around the franchise quarterback. What bothers me is when the same thing happened with Andy Reid, when he gets the, and I think I've mentioned this before, when you when the backup quarterback gets in there, game plans change. You start running the ball more. You start doing play action. You start get, you start doing crossing routes, and and you know we saw it with AJ Feely. We saw it with Jeff Garcia, uh, Coy Detmer. Um, like you you saw it with backup quarterbacks. We saw it with Nick Foles went with you know back in 2017 and 2018. But then as soon as the starter comes back in, as soon as Donovan comes back in. As soon as Carson comes back in, you go back to that same old let's throw the ball 50 times a game because we have the the franchise. Like, it makes zero sense to me. Now, I want to talk about Jalen Hurts real quick. Coming into the 2020 draft with the Joe Burrows, Tua Tungabailoa, Justin Herbert, before the draft, I said, and you, and you can ask Shane this, I said that I think Jalen Hurts would be the best of that group. And then Eagles drafted him, and I was like, crap, because <laughs> – I am like I, everybody knows I like Tua. I'm a big Tua fan, um, and I like I like I like Jalen a lot too. I I, I just thought that Jalen was going to be the best of this group. Now we've seen what Joe we saw what Joe Burrow was doing. We see what Justin Herbert's doing. Tua, you know, is battling a couple of injury things, but he's going to be the starter. He he's he just wins games down in Miami. I think he's three and one, four and one, um, with with the Dolphins. Um, Jalen gets his chance now. Um, we know what Jalen has gone through in, in you know his, his college football life. Alabama, you know, he was 26 and two or something like that. 24 and two as a starter, got benched for Tua. You know that he went to the national championship his freshman year, um, got benched his sophomore year um, in the SEC championship, um, or actually the national championship against. Uh, Georgia and Tua, Tua came in and, and threw the strike in overtime to Devontae Smith. Then Tua won the starting job his junior year. He trench like he also he went from being primarily a one read. I'm going if I if that read's not open, I'm running the football quarterback from his freshman and sophomore years to his to the by the time he became a senior and he worked on it his junior year while he was backing up Tua. But excuse me, but. And even in that junior year, when Tua got hurt, he came in in the SEC championship game against Georgia and won it. And they went to the national championship. Then his his senior year transfers to, to Oklahoma. He's been through so much adversity is what I'm trying to get through that he doesn't let anything phase him. And you can see it in his mentality. He's a cool, he's calm, he's collected. And, you know, he's somebody that has gone through adversity. Carson Wentz. He played at the FCS level. He was the best player at his level. All he did was win, but he never went through adversity. Maybe this, this is the adversity that he needs to go through. He could sit back, watch the game from a different perspective. If, if Jalen starts the rest of the year, he starts the rest of the year. 
if Carson comes back next year, you have a legit quarterback contra- or, or a legit quarterback competition. And when these two go out there and these two battle it out, like there's no, you throw the contract out the window. You, 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 you just put the players out there and hopefully there's going to be a preseason that they, that they can have a legit battle against other defenses. And you see who wins it. And maybe these last four games, Carson getting, you know, this different perspective, it'll help him clear his mind and maybe he'll come back a different player. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that's just the hope for Carson to get him back on track. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a nice breakdown of Jalen Hurts. He has faced a lot of adversity and he, I mean, this was just another hurdle when he got drafted by a team that literally just put literally yeah. the franchise in their hands with the the contract that he got. So that was just another piece of adversity for Jalen Hurts to face and, and he's faced it and he knew that he was coming in, he was going to develop and he was going to learn. And uh, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm interested to see what happens here as well because Carson went I think honestly it's probably better if Carson went sits for the rest of the year you see what you have in Jalen Hurts and then you give them the offseason to both work together work on their craft and come out next season and hopefully how he and how he drafts right how he does his thing well how he should not be here by the way how he shouldn't be here no but how he's likely going to be here it doesn't sound like anybody's going unless if there's anyone going judging by the way he's talking doug peterson would be the person to go um but ultimately like I think that you could see both of these men could take this as a chance to face adversity, to improve themselves and to come back next year, hopefully with a bit better weaponry around him. I already think the weaponry is better with Jason Peters gone for the year. Uh, So we'll probably segue into that next, but that's a good piece like Jason Peters being gone. Miles Sanders having a full year uh, off season and being healthy because he missed the start of this season for a game or two. Uh, Dallas Goddard, same situation. Zach Ertz, if he's here, I ne- I don't necessarily believe sticking with Zach Ertz is the option going forward. I don't think we were already in cap hell for the next two years. And considering put, putting us, burying us deeper by keeping him beyond that with a new contract, I'm not necessarily convinced that Zach Ertz should be staying around. Um, as much as I love a lot of these guys, that is the thing that has gotten the Eagles in trouble year in and year out is keep it sticking with the guys we love, sticking with the veterans, sticking with the people who got us championships. We love and respect the hell out of Jason Peters. But at the end of the day, people are saying that's the end of his time in Philadelphia. That's the end of his time in general. I think this toe surgery is the end of the career for Jason Peters because there's just it to me. He's 38 years old. He's not healthy. He's playing well below, way, way below the level that he was playing at when he got the nickname, the bodyguard. Um, So unfortunately, the end is near for some of these people. Derek Barnett, he has not played like a $10 million player and we're going to pay him $10 million next year. Is he worth continuing to keep on the team when he carries zero dead cap if we drop him or trade him? Like, there are so many things. Like, I think this team is going to look completely different next year. But one cons- constant is going to be Hertz, Wentz, Rager, Sanders. So those are four guys who are going to come back next year and are going to be a constant and in Goddard. this offense. And Goddard. And obviously, like, Lane Johnson. Um, I think Mylotta has definitely proven he's going to be here next year. Mm-hmm. Dillard 
should be there in some form or another, but I Left think he needs to move inside to the guard position. So there are some constants, but those are the ones you know are going to be the constants. You're going to have one at each position and two at the quarterback position coming into next season. But I think this team's going to be looking very different, and I think that there's going to be some hard moves made. There's going to be some heart-wrenching moves made this offseason because we are already in. If you take off the $20 million that we roll over, we still are about... 35 40 million dollars in the hole there are a lot of moves to be made jeffrey gone jackson gone obviously and that automatically frees up about 15 million 20 million dollars but you still got work to do yeah you do and and look if you want to keep out so this if you want to keep howie let him just handle contracts and i would bring in a legit talent evaluator somebody who knows what a football guy to be the gm I want Lewis Riddick. I'm a huge Lewis Riddick fan. I'd love for him to come. But There's no way they work together. Yeah, exactly. Lewis I was Riddick about to say that. They don't, they, <laughs> Lewis Riddick, and you and you could tell uh, the, the, when the Eagles were playing the um, the Monday night game, which was Eagles – was that the Eagles-Packers game? No. That was Eagles-Seahawks, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Lewis Riddick, it felt like he was auditioning for the Eagles job. Like, he's from the area. Um, he used to work for the organization, but – you could tell he has something against Howie Roseman. So they would never, ever be able to work together. But, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a huge Riddick fan. I would love for him to come back to be the, the GM of the team. I would get rid of Howie. It's never going to happen, unfortunately, but but I would. I mean, and he's, he's garnering the, a lot of interest. Like Riddick's already like a lead candidate for like Atlanta's Falcons, job and yeah. stuff. Like he's, he's, a, he's a good talent evaluator. But like you said, unfortunately for us, that rift between Riddick and Roseman, it'll never work in that front office roseman would be like well i'm not giving contracts to riddick's guys and all this it would be like i feel like there'd be some deep down spike going back and forth for years but i do believe and this was one of the options i was reading an article on the athletic the other day where he was say he this guy was writing what to do with howie roseman and there was seven options and one of the options was give the guy a pay raise give him a new title but make the title a demotion so you basically <laughs> give him a brand new title, but make him like lead contract negotiator. I don't know, something like that. And just get him out of the VP per- player personnel role mm-hmm. that he's in. Just drop him down, but keep him as part of the player personnel, but get him out of the decision-making role. Put him in yeah. a role where he does work, where he does what he's good at, and then that's it. But give him more money because obviously it's like, listen, Howie, you've done great for us. We respect you. We like what you've done with us. We think you're really good in this side of the business. We want you to do this. We'll give you another million dollars a year to step down into this role, which has a really nice, fancy, sexy name. And <laughs> and we're going to put someone else in the person, player personnel role. Yeah. And <laughs> the only thing, like, uh, I, I don't know if Jeffrey, Jeffrey, and you have to think about it. You can give him all the money he wants because that doesn't affect the salary cap. So, like, maybe they'll do that. But if you want to get somebody legit in here, I don't know if they're going to work with Howie Roseman. So you have to make a decision. Is it Howie Roseman or do you want to get a functional football team again? And I think we we know the answer to that. I just don't know if Jeffrey Lurie does. Um, I wanted to go back to something else you said. You know, you said talking about um, sitting Wentz the rest of the year and letting Jalen Hurts play the rest of the year just to see what you have. And I think it depends on how he looks. But also, like this could have been this could have been happened if the division wasn't so bad. If Dallas was going to run away with the division, like a lot of people thought, I, I didn't I didn't necessarily think that. But a lot of people thought that that you know Dallas is going to be so good that they, they would win the division with eleven or twelve wins. 
But the fact that the division-leading Giants and the division-leading Washington football team have five wins, like, they're theoretically, they're a game and a half out. They're still in it. You know, if, if the Giants lose to Arizona this week and Washington loses to whoever they play, I can't even think, think off the top of my head who they play. But if Washington loses and, like, the Eagles somehow beat the Saints, <clears throat> like, they're back in it. They're a half game out. So like, it, it doesn't help. Obviously, if they win this week, Jalen's going to start. He's going to continue to start. Um, but it, it's just, like, the, the circumstances surrounding this the NFC East and how terrible it is is what's dictating. We we've could have been seeing Jalen Hurts play, you know, probably since the bye week if they were still as bad as they were and – Dallas or somebody else was running away with the division, but circumstances dictate that. And, and obviously Doug wanted to give Carson every opportunity to break out of this huge slump that he's in. It just hasn't worked. So, you know, I'm interested to see what Jalen hurts can do. Again, I'm a big fan of Jalen hurts and I'm telling you, we're going to see a totally different game plan this week. You're going to see Jalen run the football, like move, move out the pocket. Like you mentioned something that they don't, they don't do with Carson nearly enough. And it might be go back to his freshman year in Alabama. It might be a one read, get rid of the ball or, you know, run, slide, get out of bounds, don't take a hit and move on to the next play. Just don't turn the ball over. And that's going to be key because obviously Carson turns the ball over because he's trying to make a big play down the field. If, if Jalen doesn't turn the ball over and if you're ending each drive in a kick, whether it's a field goal after a touchdown whether it's just a field goal for three points or whether it's a punt and you're not turning it over and you're forcing Taysom Hill to go a full length of the field, you have an opportunity to win the game. Definitely, because there's a lot of times where people are breaking down plays by Carson Wentz and the play is right in front of him, but he's looking 20 yards down the field and he's like that one track mind. I want to hit John Hightower going deep and Jalen Reggers open underneath or whatever. And that's something that can't happen with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has to hit whatever play is open. And I understand that the game script may have been negative for much of uh, Carson Wentz's time playing, but you can make you can flip that game script easily without doing like a big bomb play where you're going 20, 25, 30 yards down the field. You don't always have to throw the ball deep in order to create the the to change that game flow or to change a game script it could be easy it'd be as easy as getting it to ward or regger a five yard shallow play and then they produce 10 or 15 extra yards for you that's what some of those pieces are there for that's what regger is there for regger is a guy who can go stride for stride sub four four speed who can probably be that big play for you but he can also be that big play by getting him the ball and he'll produce more yards after the play than you pass through the air because that's what what that is what he did in college he was a huge yak monster and that's something that we haven't unlocked and you see that in like the idea that Justin Jefferson, you throw the deep ball, he'll catch a deep ball. Jalen Reger, he can be that deep ball guy, but he's not necessarily that deep ball guy. He was, we brought him in because we want to see yards after the catch created and yards after the catch made, like we saw with Miles Sanders last season. Um, so it'll be interesting, like you said, to see what they do with Jalen Hurts. Probably, obviously, they'll probably do a run RPO type offense, similar to what we saw with. Uh, uh, with Nick Foles, similar to what we saw with Carson Wentz, lots of play action and lots of just getting the ball out as quick as you can. We saw Jalen Hurts, he can make the big play. We saw that Jalen to Jalen connection last week, nicest play last week against the Green Bay Packers. 
And then we also saw Jalen Hurts make that bad decision where he made it, turned over the ball, and he also got sacked three times. The ball got tipped on that interception. But you saw, the one thing I mentioned was when when the Packers were up multiple scores, they were playing a vanilla defense, trying to keep everything in front of them. Um, You know, it just took a while to get to to Jalen, and Greg Ward was able to get open uh, um, in the end zone for the score. But once the, and after Jalen Rager's um, punt return for a touchdown, and then I believe the Packers went three and out, punted ball back to the Eagles, and we're down one score. The Packers were like, all right, enough, enough of this. Mike Patton got a little got aggressive, got aggressive and started, you know, getting creative in the offensive line at a breakdown, and Jalen got hurt or not hurt. Jalen got sacked. So you saw that once the Packers realized, look, we we can't keep playing this vanilla stuff. And, and, and they, they got a little creative. The Eagles offense looked like it looked with Carson Wentz. So now the Saints have tape on what, what Jalen is able to do, not just in a, in a zone read offense. So he's able to, <clears throat> excuse me, he's able, they, they, they've got tape of him throwing the ball, moving around in the pocket. <clears throat> so it'll be interesting to see what this really good Saints defense is going to be able to do against this Jalen Hurts-led all, Eagles offense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, now that now that people see it, now that the tape's there, I mean, it's you got to really get creative with your game plan. You really got to change it up and not pull the Carson Wentz game plan out and say, let's see if it'll work with this guy, because that's what it feels like Doug Peterson tries to do sometimes. He's like, maybe, let's see um, what we can do. Maybe Jalen Hurts is the quarterback you run the Nick Foles offense with. Who knows? Like, we know that Carson doesn't like the Nick Foles offense, but maybe that, that, that'll fit Jalen's, um, you know, skill set better than than the Carson offense and you know what I honestly wouldn't be surprised like that RPO quick throw or run the ball and at least this time with that type of offense you have a quarterback who can run and who will produce the plays whereas Nick Foles there was never the threat of him like him being the option but there was always a run pass open but this one, you have the full complement of an RPO. You could do, he could hand off for the run. He could make that short, quick pass, or he could be the option play, which I think really would open up the offense quite a bit if you just never know. There's always, you say, these are the three plays. Whatever you see in that defense, you make the call for Jalen Hurts. And that's, but that's also something I believe should have been done with Carson Wentz. So I'll be pretty upset if he actually decides to go that direction with Jalen Hurts, but he wouldn't give Carson Wentz that opportunity to run the offense that way because you that's know, how a Carson Wentz offense and, needs to be run. And you know that's exactly what's going to happen. And they're also going to run the ball. Miles Sanders last week had five carries on the first drive, didn't touch the ball again, um, or didn't get a handoff until the third quarter. I, I bet you. Miles Sanders is going to carry the ball like 10, 10, at least 10 times in the first half. Something that they wouldn't do with Carson Wentz. So, like, it's going to be very frustrating to watch. Even if the Eagles are moving the ball, I'll be, I'll be excited. I'll be happy. But it'll be frustrating because, like, I mean, where was this with Carson Wentz? Why couldn't you do this with Carson Wentz? So, and the run game in general was really good. Like, you look at the yeah. stat line, Miles Sanders was 10 for 31, 3.1 average. Jordan Howard silently, 4 for 19, 4.8 average. The run game was there. The run game is good. And that was the often like if you look that defense is a defense that you should have just barrel rolled over and over and over again. Even if you get stuffed on a couple plays, that Green Bay Packers middle middle of the field that that run defense is not good. All you had to do is keep running the ball and you were going to break holes through that no matter who's on that offensive line. We've seen some pretty porous offense. But we saw David Montgomery and the Chicago Bears light up that run defense a couple weeks back 
It was so, how the Eagles beat the Packers last year on Thursday night. They ran exactly. the ball right down their throat. With, exactly with, the combination, with the combination of Miles Sanders and Jordan mm-hmm. Howard. And so it should have been done that way. And you could do it against the Saints. The Saints are a bit more stout, but you can do it. That's how you wear a defense down. Mm-hmm. That's how you wear it down. And then it opens things up for you on second and third down. This whole running on, passing on first, pass on second, and then a run on third or pass on first, run on second, run on. Th- like the way that he's calling the plays is so weird inconsistent. and it, it may, inconsistent it makes no sense it doesn't allow you to get a run game going it doesn't allow you to get a pass game going and and i don't know who's calling the plays over there but honestly we both agree i think that press taylor needs to go so yeah. if it's press taylor calling the plays and that comes out he's just going to get reamed out by the media well, doug, worse than doug peterson doug did say he's going to be the one calling the plays this week for for the eagles against the saints so we know like for sure that that if if they still look bad, it's it's Doug. Yeah, like and and I'm when when he made that point last week that he's been giving um, Press Taylor a, a little bit more of of you know possibly calling plays. My question, like, why Press Taylor? I mean, unless Deuce does not want to do it, unless Deuce is totally against it, why Press Taylor? Why isn't Deuce doing it? Why isn't Marty doing it? Uh, Rick Scangarello is apparently handling the two-minute drills, which actually the two-minute drills actually look good because Carson was better in up-tempo where he didn't really have to think, he, and maybe he could call the plays on his own. So he, he, he looked better in that up-tempo, fast-paced, two-minute type of offense. Maybe Rick Scangarello should have been calling plays. But, like, why press Taylor is my question. It makes zero sense. No, I, I completely agree. It it makes zero sense. I don't know what Deuce ever did to this organization, but be the most loyal coach out there, the most loyal anything, player, everything. He's been the most loyal person to this team for years and years and years now. And yet he can't get the respect of Doug Peterson. He can't get the respect of Howie Roseman. He can't seem to get the respect of Jeffrey Laurie because if Jeffrey Laurie really thought that he could do something, you don't think for two seconds he'd knock on Peterson's door and say, can you give deuce a couple drives let's see what he can call for us like he's mm-hmm. the he's the lead he's the run game coordinator and what is the mm-hmm. one piece of the offense actually working this year the run, the run game. game so why are we not allowing him to maybe make a play call or something like that or give him a series or two to see what he's got because press taylor shouldn't even be in the position he's in it's because he's carson wentz's good friend and because he did he's one of those guys he looks looks like the guy i hate to say it this way but he looks he's he seems like a brown noser he seems like the guy who's always in the middle of a meeting saying great idea coach i like that idea let's run that yeah he needs so doug needs to get rid of yes men and carson needs somebody that's not gonna look up to him he needs somebody like de filippo when he was here who would be hard on him that when he made a mistake whether it's a form mistake, a foot mistake, who's going to make them redo it over and over and over again. And Filippo was that guy. Frank Reich was that guy. Like, they were the the devil, I guess, the quote-unquote devil on Doug's shoulders compared to the angel. Like, he has nothing but yes-men on his on his coaching staff right now, and that needs to change. You, you, you need to get somebody that's going to be like, look, coach, we, we need to do something different. Run the football. Um, you know, get Carson outside the pocket. Stop doing the same. On first down, we're going to – and then, like, in the, th- in the third and fourth quarter when you haven't run the ball all day, doing these play actions that nobody's going to bite on because you don't run the football. It's just so frustrating. So that's what they need to do. So he needs to find a way to upgrade this. If he's coming back next year, upgrade the coaching staff. And I heard like I, I actually so- heard somebody say something yesterday where maybe if, if, if 
if this person gets fired, you bring him in as as an offensive coordinator. Um, Matt Nagy, bring him here as and let Nagy call the plays. He won't have to let Doug be that coach. Deal with the entire team. Nagy won't have to deal with the entire team. He can focus on the offense. He was a good offensive coordinator in his one one year with, under Andy Reid. So maybe that's what happens. You let, bring Nagy in to call the plays to be the offensive coordinator and kind of retool this offense, uh, whether it's around Carson Wentz or, or Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen it work. Like, look at the New York Giants right now. Are they good? Are they great? That definitely not. But I mean, you're out, you've been out. You've been exactly. You've been out. Daniel Jones. You've been out. Saquon Barkley, your best offensive weapon for most of the season. Your offensive you're, line is your offensive line's terrible. The offense in general has been plagued by injuries. Whether it's just missing one game or two games or three games periodically, these a lot of these players have actually missed time. Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, who's now riding the bench again. Um, but like, and look who the offensive coordinator there is. A guy who couldn't work as a head coach in Dallas, Jason Garrett. He's coaching behind a special teams coach who got yeah. a job to be a head coach and judge. But, like, you've seen it work. It's not working with Matt Nagy as a head coach. And I know that people are dreaming up these scenarios of, of the enemy and stuff. I just don't, like... I think that Doug Peterson just needs a play caller around him. He needs mm-hmm. two voices he can really trust. And honestly, I know how much people hate Jim Schwartz, but Schwartz is that pillar there on defense. And he needs someone on offense, that pillar, that those two, everyone filters the info to those two who filter to him. And that's it. Because the too many voices thing that's mm-hmm. going on and this changing of play calling responsibilities and stuff, you can't have this happening. You just can't. That's not the proper way a coaching staff runs. And you can tell it's not because Doug Peterson's getting upset. Yeah. So something I wanted to, to touch base on, which is another indictment on um, Howie Roseman, is, is Michael, Malcolm Jenkins' comments this week where he said he just didn't feel respected by the, by the, the, the Eagles. And – it wasn't by, you know, the fans. It wasn't by his teammates. Probably probably wasn't even by the coaching staff. It was by Howie Roseman. Howie Roseman is the one that didn't, didn't want to pony up and give Malcolm, I don't want to say like, give him a big contract, but kind of guarantee, maybe guarantee a couple more million dollars from the year because the contract that he got with the Saints was, was it like exactly what he was making here, if not a little less or a little more, whatever. Um, but he 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 really kind of went at the throat of um of Howie Roseman. Talked about how how much he we, talked about he can't wait to come back to Philly. He talked about how he is Philly. You know he, this is his home. When he's done playing football, he's gonna live in Philly. Um, you know what were your thoughts on that? Because I'm like our defense last year wasn't good until like the, the the second half of the year. But Malcolm would be the guy making sure everybody was in in the right positions. We, we don't really have that. It, it, we thought that it would be Ronnie McLeod or Jalen Mills, and they're not really doing what Malcolm did. Malcolm played every snap, played special teams, never missed a practice. Um, you know, the last time he missed a play was the 2017 season finale against Dallas because everything was wrapped up, and then they went on to win the Super Bowl. So, like, I mean, I, I do think that the Eagles – you know, miss Malcolm. Malcolm's going to be an Eagles Hall of Famer. Malcolm's jersey number probably should be retired. He's a, he's an all-time great Eagle. We didn't have that safety after Brian Dawkins left until Malcolm Jenkins came back. And who knows if, you know, we have the Malcolm Jenkins replacement on the roster. We hope it's Kevon Wallace, but we don't know. Um, so, like, how long is it going to take us to replace Jenkins 
after we saw how long it took us to replace Dawkins. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for Malcolm. I mean, he's a good guy. He's a good-hearted guy. And, and I think he had the respect and the love and the adoration of the fans. But to his point, Kelsey spoke out this past week. And he called out coaches. He called out players. He called out himself. He called out everything. Nothing has been heard. If Jenkins had called anybody out, you can already tell when he would say anything, he would probably get punished for it. Or behind the scenes, something would happen. Because that was just the way it was. It feels like they didn't like how outspoken Malcolm Jenkins was. As, as, much, of his, as much as that made him a leader, I don't know if the Eagles respected how outspoken he was. Because there's, it's just a personality clash. I mean, like Howie Roseman, that just sounds like a Howie Roseman thing. That sounds like one of those situations where Howie Roseman said, I'm not going to give you a contract. And he probably spoke to some of those things. And I mean, at the end of the day, I respect Malcolm Jenkins. I, mm-hmm. No matter what, it, where where he went, I hate that he went to the Saints, but I respect him. He went, he did what he had to do. I think that is definitely, uh, like you said, an indictment on, on, on uh, Howie Roseman Howie. because clearly he... Him and Howie couldn't see eye to eye. There's clearly a clash of personalities there. Howie was trying to flex his muscles. Malcolm was saying, you need me. I don't need you. And then he went off and signed the exact same contract in New Orleans for three years. And they have the number one defense, and I'm not exactly because of him. And I get that he's older, and I understand that, and I get the circumstances around it. But um, at the same time, he's an older guy who's not missing time. He's not losing. He actually missed time for the first time this year, but he's not, he wasn't missing time. He was consistent. He was a strong leader. Jason Peters came back this year, injured all the time. He was injured all the time before this year. We started to see the inconsistencies last year. He was struggling with his health last year. Some of these guys we just bring back, they don't deservedly they shouldn't deservedly be back and and this was one of the guys who probably should have been brought back because he was a true leader and like you said we are really missing that mouthpiece of the defense and and whether it was like a clash of personalities between Howie and Malcolm I think Malcolm had the respect of Schwartz I think he had the respect of a guy like Doug Peterson but he did not have the respect of Howie Roseman that's why the contract never happened that's why they could never meet see eye to eye and no doubt he had the respect of Schwartz. Schwartz came out this week and said Malcolm Jenkins is the smartest player he's ever coached. Um, you know, Malcolm understood circumstances. Remember that one game? I forget who it was against, but uh, we I can't remember who it was against, but we had a bunch of young guys in the secondary. And Malcolm went up to, to, to Schwartz and said, dude, simplify it. They don't know all our calls. They don't know all the coverages. Simplify it. They simplified it, and I'm pretty sure they went out and won that game. I don't remember who it was against. But, yeah, it's – and you could see it like whenever he was in a play, he's running up the guys. He's like, move over this way, move yep. over that way. He's calling Last what he thinks three. the offense is going to do. And even he'd move. And Schwartz wouldn't care if he saw the, the position that he shouldn't be at safety. He should be linebacker. He'd move himself into the nickel and he would be prepared to, to yeah, like do whatever. Year. Last year against Green Bay after Avante Maddox got hurt, who also is not an outside corner. And I'll keep saying that because he stinks. Um, you know, when Craig James came into the game. He uh, on the goal line before the inter- before Nigel Bradham's interception, like he went he went up to Craig James like, dude, they're gonna throw you the ball. They're gonna throw the ball right to you. And 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 Jenkins was there to help him out. Tip ball, Bradham interception, Eagles win, pull off the upset, and, and kind of get a momentum 
type of win for, for the team. So, yeah, you know, he's just a really smart, heady player, knows what he's supposed to do, knows, knows football, knows circumstances, and, and somebody that the Eagles probably could use not only on the field but, like, as the leader in the locker room. That's what they're really missing right now. They need a lead to leader in the locker room, something they do not have. Yeah, you can see that people are speaking out, and you can see, like, the players are like, I respect Wentz for, for, for stepping up, or I respect what Kelsey's saying, or whatever. They respect things, but it doesn't show. It doesn't feel like, because they come out, and it's the same play week in and week out. We're seeing mm-hmm. the same old song and dance every single weekend, and it's like, if you guys see it, if you understand it, why aren't you responding to your leader? Why aren't you respecting what your leader said? When Malcolm Jenkins would speak last year, the next game, the defense would come out, boom, like have a killer game after mm-hmm. Malcolm Jenkins speaks out and stepped up. So it feels like you're missing that respect, and it feels like Doug, it feels like Howie Roseman took that away from us because maybe Howie didn't like the personality, maybe Howie didn't respect Doug, uh, Malcolm Jenkins, but at the end of the day, he had the love and the respect of the fans and the players around him and the coaching staff around him. There was clearly something behind the scenes that we probably won't know until Malcolm retires and he comes out and really speaks. Yeah. Um, how, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. I, I don't mind if Doug stays. I want Howie gone. It's probably not going to happen, but my I want Howie gone. Howie is the detriment to this team right now. I'm happy. I'm, I'm glad what he did for 20. I'm glad what he did in 2017. He built the built a perfect roster. Everything fell into place. We got a Super Bowl. He'll he'll always he'll always have that spot in our hearts. But he's done. He he needs to go. Yeah, this reminds me so much of Chip Kelly. It mm-hmm. reminds me he built a team. He was doing good. We were loving it. High pace offense, high octane offense, good weapons, using everything he had at his disposal. He started letting people go. He started dropping people, started trading people. Then how he stepped into the role, built this this championship team. And since then, every year, descending, descending, descending into the pits of the NFL. Um it feels so much like that situation where Jeffrey Lloyd's got to step in and be like, all right, man, your, your time has passed. You gave us a championship. We respect the hell out of you for what you did. But and and I'd be happy to have you on the staff if you can take that step back. But you knew Chip Kelly wouldn't take that step back. He would not give up player personnel. And this is the same situation with Howie. He's not going to give up player personnel. And at the end of the day, it's going to be he's either straight up gone or he stays here and we continue to let him do whatever he thinks he is right for the player personnel in Philadelphia. And I don't I don't necessarily agree. I respect the hell out of him for what he did and for finally bringing us the Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, you have to sit there and you have to say what's best going forward. This guy put us in this situation where we're in cap hell. We have no more than $20 million at our disposal over the next two years. And it's like, I think it's time to move on. Someone's got to come in. Someone's got to clean this up. And and it's it just reminds me so much of Chip Kelly. So reminiscent mm-hmm. of that situation all over again. Yeah, and we thought we were past the, the Chip Kelly uh, stage. So let's but I think before. it happens all the time with player personnel. People's egos inflate. People are like, I got this, or I won us a championship, or I did this. And the egos get there, and they're just making moves haphazardly, and things start to go downhill. And that that's just what's happening again here. Yep, it is. All right, so uh, let's move to our unheralded player of the week before we get to Eagles, Saints, our predictions, and kind of keys to the game and what to look forward to. Who's your unheralded player of last week in the NFL, Connor? 
I'm going with Ty Johnson of the New York Jets. He went off 22 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown against a lowly Vegas Raiders Russian defense, I would say. And the but Jets I mean, would have won if, if uh, Greg Williams didn't lose that game on purpose. Wasn't, uh, yeah, yeah, didn't didn't really, didn't take the tank to heart, it felt like. But yeah, Ty Johnson had a really good game. He took full advantage. Like, if there's one thing I say, especially with like a guy like David Montgomery, they're like, oh, well, he's taking advantage of bad defenses. Exactly. That's the job, though. If he yeah. struggles against good defenses, but he can take full advantage of this bottom tier defense good on him good on him because those are where the big games come in a season and ty johnson had a really good game he was gonna end up being buried in a detroit lions uh running back room with ap deandre swift Kieran johnson instead he got let go the jets picked him up when they ran into issues because frank gore's hurt michael p ryan's hurt and ty johnson took full advantage so good on him yeah that's good um Mayan is Cole Beasley of the Bills, finished with 11 catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown. He's really, you know, leaving Dallas. He's found his niche with the Bills, um, finally winning games um, and not choking. Well, who knows what they'll do in the playoffs, but, you know, not choking in the regular season. The Bills are 9-3 first place, um, pretty much have the division on wrap. You know, they face – I'm pretty sure they face the um, Dolphins coming up, or did they play them twice already? I don't, I don't, I don't know the Bills' schedule, but they got a good game this week against Pittsburgh. So, you know, the Bills, the, the Bills have a chance to wrap up the AFC East over the next couple of weeks. And Cole Beasley has become, especially in the red zone, become a go-to guy for Josh Allen. Um, so, I'm yeah, gonna he's go definitely Cole having like a resurgent year. Yeah. Like he's almost at a thousand yards right now. And I mean, I think the John Brown injury helps, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's it's nice to see something like that. He's a purely slot guy, and it's good to see a guy like Josh Allen able to use that slot guy like Cole Beasley. Mm-hmm. All right, week. What are we in now? Week fourteen of the NFL. Fourteen. Um, fourteen. First round of the uh, fantasy football playoffs too. I got a bye week in my one in my uh, my money league, so. I get to relax this week when it comes to fantasy football. Um, Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts making his first start against T- – who would have thought at the, at the, when the schedule came out that week 14 we would see Jalen Hurts against Taysom Hill. Everybody thought it would be Carson Wentz against Drew Brees, but we get the backup quarterbacks um, in this game. Taysom Hill kind of picking it up. At, this will be his – I believe his fourth start um, for mm-hmm. Drew Brees. All Sean Payton does with backup quarterbacks is win. I think in his last eight or nine games with with a backup quarterback, yeah, they're eight and zero without him. Eight and zero without Drew Brees. That's Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill. So, uh, you know, what are your thoughts going into this game against a really good Saints team? Well, I kind I hate to use the word because I don't necessarily believe. It's totally true, but I think Taysom Hill is a little overrated. I mean, you look at his last three starts, Falcons, Broncos, Falcons. Wasn't la- didn't he throw his first touchdown pass last he week? He threw his first touchdown pass last week, too. Exactly. So he's got he had three pretty easy defensive matchups against the Falcons twice and the Broncos. Mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see what the Eagles can do against him. I think that, that we're really going to have to see Taysom Hill throw the ball because we've – our front four have actually done really well in the last couple games the pressure that they even if they're not getting sacks the pressure that they're creating they're in the quarterback's face there's always someone back there Javon Hargrave start, is starting to look a little better and coming into his own Fletcher Cox is looking good Derek Barnett's coming into his own Josh Sweat doing really well Brandon Graham's been a monster mm-hmm. like you're not going to get off and run and, just, and Alex Singleton too. Like they, There's been some guys really step up, and they're not going to let you run easily on them. And Taysom Hill has built this offense around him running the ball, 
by himself the rpo and taking the option route out so it should be really interesting to see what happens here because those last three matchups i don't think truly depict what we're gonna see from Taysom hill going forward if you think Taysom hill is your franchise quarterback and all you've seen is he probably has run more yards than he's passed i think that this paints an interesting picture of what you might see this week against a strong front four front four that's going to keep him in that pocket or do their darndest to keep him in that well, hit that pocket all night so before you before you give your prediction i, I mean this this saints offense if you like like it's going to be tough to contain alvin Kamara. um we've seen the struggles that darius slay has had going up against really good receivers dk metcalf um Devontae adams he gets to go up against Michael Thomas this week. Next week's DeAndre. Hopkins. Like he has had it rough. The last gauntlet. Weeks. He needs to like he's got to earn that paycheck. He does. Like I love Darius Slay, and I know he's banged up. But the Eagles traded for him and gave him a big money contract for a reason. And the reason we're going up against these receivers that he's going up against, and he hasn't done much with it. So he he really needs to step up his play for like going up against a Michael Thomas. Taysom, like you mentioned, Taysom Hill is not that great of a like. He has a strong arm. I don't. He's just not very accurate. So maybe that, that you know, this is the type you you play up on these guys. You know, bump them off the routes, force Taysom Hill to maybe double clutch or pull it down so that you, you can't get these quick because these quick like slant routes that Devontae Adams was doing last week uh, against um, Slade because he was playing off. And when you're going up against a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who you know he'll do it. He'll, they'll pull out a double move because Aaron Rodgers is so good at it. Like maybe you do have to play off, but against Taysom Hill play up on him and they need to find a way to, they need to find a second corner because Avante Maddox is not an outside corner. He's too small. He's not good enough. He gets beat off the line and he's either a, a slot corner or he's a safety. He's not an outside corner. And we, we've talked about, yeah, there he's like coming in. That's going to take care of one side of the field really hasn't worked that well because he's been struggling too. So they got to find a way to get another quarter, whether it's through the draft Drafting maybe a Patrick Sertan if he's available wherever you are, or whether it's through free agency. Haven't had a chance to look at names, but they have to find a way to, to, to fix that. But, like, they have a good tight end. Like, this is a really good offense minus the quarterback position right now. If Drew Brees was playing this week, I would be really, really concerned. Yeah, absolutely. And another couple of things, well, you do, took it out of my mouth there for Darius Slay. I, I'm I'm interested to see, like, yeah, we gave him the big paycheck, and I, I get it. And, and But, I mean, if you see your guy struggling, you see your, your top dog struggling, you know he's not 100%, he's probably playing through some things, you got to back him up you got to give him some help man that that you know like you're watching over and over like those guys are making six to eight to ten catches on him and no over the top help whatsoever nothing from Jalen Mills nothing from McLeod no type of support and there absolutely should have been some more support given um to to Darius Slay and I think that's on Jim Schwartz to realize that he needs to step up and he needs to provide that help and I'll be interested to see what happens this week because he's definitely going to have to step up and provide some sort of help and some sort of support um and one other thing this I I want to say Jalen Hurts but we've talked enough about Jalen Hurts but I want to see what this new look offensive line is going to do I think we're heading into what our probably our 12th combination in 13th 14, and 14 games 13th and 14 weeks and this is the one that I think is going to be the stable one this is the one that you're going to see going forward for the rest of the year Mylotta Samalu Kelsey, Kelsey Herbig, Herbig and Driscoll yep that should be you're going forward 
uh, offensive line with the injuries. I mean, if there's any further injuries, well, that's probably not good because then we're looking at guys like Luke Jurgita, Matt Pryor, and Brett Toth, and some other guys because we're really getting into the depths of our offensive line depth if we have to go any further. But these guys have been pretty stable. These guys have been the the healthiest of guys. Driscoll was down for a little bit, but they have been the healthiest of guys, um, and they are what we've been looking for. We wanted to see what our young guys had. Isaac Samalu could be the center next year if Jason Kelsey opts not to return. You never know. It's tough to say what's going to happen. The only position not accounted for next year is that center position. Um, but you can really kind of start to picture an offensive line forming and growing for next season. So I kind of want to see what these next four, three weeks, four weeks bring mm-hmm. for the uh, regular season with this combination of five guys. And we know Brooks will be back. We know Diller will be back. We know we'll Lane Johnson will be back. But it's all about experience. Get in this experience. We've seen what the experience has done for Jordan Mailata. He has looked fantastic the last couple yeah. weeks at the left tackle. Once he gets his, once he gets his hands on here, you, you're not going anywhere. And they're going to be tested this eight, week. He's six foot eight, yeah. like nearly 300 pounds. As soon as he gets your hands on you, even if you're a big defensive end or a defensive tackle, that's a big boy to go up against. And they're going to get tested this week. Cameron Jordan, Sheldon Rankins. Uh, you know, Marcus Davenport, Trey, like they have a really good front four. They're linebackers. Uh, Demario Davis, one of the best linebackers in the league. Quan Alexander. And then that secondary, you know, Janoris Jenkins is coming back. Marcus Lattimore, one of the better uh, corners in the league. Malcolm Jenkins, who we talked about. Like C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you know, playing playing some of the slot. Like they have a really good defense. They've given up uh, less than – was it 14-ish? I forget, like 14 points in their last five games. Like, they don't give up points. Now, they haven't really played really good offenses, but, you know, they're coming together, when, you know, when they need to the most. So it's going to be a really tough test for Jalen Hurts and this offense. But if they can start – if they can move the ball against against this team, then, you know, maybe we'll start – you know, you could go to Arizona. Even if you don't win, you get momentum. You get confidence going to Arizona. And then the last two games against – Dallas and Washington, you know, build some momentum, maybe find a way to pick up three, three wins that gets you to six wins. You're six, nine and one. And who knows what happens with Washington and the Giants. And, you know, maybe you win the division at six, nine and one. Who knows? But I, I think we can. I'm not claiming that the Eagles are going to win the division, but I want them to find a way to get some momentum, get some confidence. So we have something exciting to talk about going into 2021. Absolutely. And yeah, I was just looking up the Saints. They're actually they're scoring about 29 points a game and giving up 20. So, uh, yeah, it, it's going to definitely be a, a tough matchup, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you're looking at a pretty uh, rock solid defense, a smart defense. And, and we got some we got some things to work out, but I am getting pretty excited to talk about the yeah, offseason so- and to look forward. If you think about it, the Saints gave up 16 to the Falcons last week, gave up three to a quarterbackless Broncos team the week before that. Um, and then against the Falcons gave up nine and that was going back to three weeks ago. And then the Niners four weeks ago gave up 13. Like this is a defense that does not give up points right now. Um, against, and then it, against Tampa five weeks ago, Tampa led by Tom Brady have all, all those weapons gave up three points in Tampa Bay. So this is a, uh, they haven't given up more than 20 points since the Chicago Bears did six weeks ago. So, again, this is just a team that doesn't, you know, give up points. So the, so the Eagles are going to have to, to, you know, fight tooth and nail to, to try to put points on the board. And we'll see what um, um, Jalen Hurts has 
uh, in store for the Saints. Definitely. Absolutely. All right, your prediction. Um, I, I actually do think we may, we're going to suffer another loss, but mm-hmm. I do think that we may be able to tame Taysom Hill a little bit more than the last three games have been. Um, but I'm going to go with, I think, I don't think it, we're actually going to be particularly close unless there's some garbage time support, but I think we're going to, I think I'm looking 24 to, I honestly think 10. I think we might be able to get 10 points out of this, but yeah. I think 24 to 10 Saints. Yeah, I was thinking around that same. I'm going to go 27-13. But um, no probably. fault of the defense. Beyond no fault of the defense. I think yeah, there's going to be a lot be... of three and outs. There's going to be some struggles on offense and, and against a really tough defense. I just think there's going to be struggles. And it's going to be no fault of Jim Schwartz's defense because they have stepped up multiple times, shut things down for four or five possessions, giving the offense the ball and an opportunity, playing on short fields. And... I mean, I put it in my article last week. One of the MVPs of this season is Cam Johnston, no doubt. Cam Johnston yeah. has has saved our stagnant offense by bombing some punts out there. I think he's top there. five in the league in punting average. Oh, 100%. He's, he's, so, a, yeah. he's a beast. So, And you're right. It's not going to be to – a lot of it's not going to be to no fault of the defense because the Eagles, like, they'll probably turn the ball over and, and force you know a short field against the, the, the Eagles' offense. Or excuse me, against the Eagles' defense for the Saints' offense, and it's what it's what hap- has happened all year. So, I mean, it'd be nice to see a clean game. Uh, I just don't know if it's going to happen. And again, I'm intrigued by by Jalen Hurts starting. This is the first time I've been excited in a long time for an Eagles game. I'm always excited, but like it's more of yes, the Eagles are. But now I'm excited because you get to see something new. We get to see Jalen Hurts without coming off the field every other play. Um, we get to see Jalen Hurts play a full 60-minute game and you know see what type of offense the Eagles could have with a, a Jalen Hurts type. You know, and you talked about the new look offensive line. We'll see what we can do with Ray. You know, Regers has talked about you know in, during camp him he he practiced you know on the side wh- whether it was before or after practice with Jalen Hurts all the time. So they have that continuity between them two. Maybe maybe that's what they need. It could be the Jalen show this week. And then uh, maybe next year you add another Jalen and Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith. But uh, I'll want an Alabama receiver. That, that's all I know. Um, but, yeah, so it, it's, it's going to be interesting. At least we have something to look forward to this week when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles because we get the new-look quarterback, a new-look, possibly a new-look offense, but probably the same result in, a, uh, in an Eagles L. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I'm excited, too. I think there's lots of things to look forward to going forward. There's lots of things to look out for for the future, not necessarily for this year, but stuff to look forward to for the future. And it'll be interesting, that's for sure, these next four weeks to see what we actually end up doing, who plays well, who steps up, who starts earning their 2021 role. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. As always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Uh, Connor does a great job. Uh, uh, game days uh, handling the, the, the Twitter. Um, you can follow Connor at Connor10. Follow me at LJHarrell54. Wherever you're listening to us, please rate and review the show. Uh, you can slide into the DMs. Let us know uh, what you want us to talk about or if you have any, uh, if, if, if there's something you want to ask us, it doesn't matter. Uh, we are more than welcome to answer that question. For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Fly, Eagles, fly.